Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous to your contracts, they said, What the f are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to episode 49 of Eurosport's Full Throttle Podcast. It's the bike racing show that's almost celebrating now its half century of episodes just after the British Superbike Championship has celebrated its half century of winners in the modern era since 1996. That was our last race weekend on Eurosport with Scott Redding doing the treble at Donington Park. But now we focus again on the World Superbike Championship. Loris Bass is on the show in the next few seconds. The 10 car to Yamaha rider, the team and the rider back on the World Superbike grid for the first time since the end of 2018. And then later on, Michael Hill, the Paddock Show host, will be giving us his take on what we might be able to expect in the Andalusian sunshine this weekend. But first of all, it's Loris Baz. Well, Loris, thank you very much for joining us. And I'm really pleased to be talking to you because it means you're back on the world superbike grid. I guess in some ways we couldn't have imagined at the end of last year that we'd be waiting to see you again for this long, but it's great to see you back. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. I'm glad uh, I'm talking to you because as you said, it means uh, I'm coming back. So... Yeah, uh, I didn't expect, uh, honestly, um, uh, like uh, beginning of last season, or even a few years ago, I wasn't expecting to to be leaving this kind of uh, beginning of the season in, in 2019. But um, I was seeing it coming by uh, as the season was going on last year. Um, there was not so many rides available and good rides uh, even less. So, and I did I really didn't want to to have the same kind of season I last I had last year. So, um, yeah, just, um, we just took the decision with uh, my manager to uh, step away uh, a little bit, not sign anything, and trying to get um, a good ride as soon as possible, even if this was um, uh, also maybe meaning that uh, I was going to, to be a home for a full season. But um, honestly, I didn't want to, to fight for the top 10 or top 15 in Superbike. I want to... It's a championship where I've shown I can win races and be on the podium. So it's the only thing that I want to have a good bike to, to be in front. Well, exactly. I mean, just to close off the topic of last year, obviously, as you say, you've won two races. You've been on the podium 14 times. You've been on pole position twice, fastest laps, front row starts, 750 points in your career so far. It wasn't really a normal situation, was it, last year, to have so many great riders like yourself out of a ride? Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's the racing, and some, some years are a bit strange, and some, uh, some riders there with no ride, and uh, 
honestly, it's uh, there is just uh, like it, there is 20 bikes in Superbike and um, not 20 good bikes, and there is 20 bikes in MotoGP. Uh, uh, so and there is many more riders in the world. So um, sometimes it's like I mean it's like that. Uh, but yeah, for sure, I was struggling a lot last year, and I was um, I wasn't enjoying it at all. Uh, even if I had a really good relationship with the team and I was enjoying being with them, but I wasn't enjoying riding at all. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm happy that, um, like, let's say the choice we made at the end of last season, it, it's paying off now with the comeback uh, with Tenkate, but uh, uh, it, it wasn't... It wasn't an easy winter for sure. How difficult was it then, Loris? Honestly speaking, you're 26 now. You were 25 at the end of last season, of course. But how did you actually feel to think mm, it might be a sensible option to actually not race this year? Well, uh, at, at the end, yeah, it's what I wanted the people to know that I was still only 20, uh, 25 at the end of last year and 26 this year. Uh, because yeah. even when I spoke with... Um, Ronald and the guys from Tenkat at the beginning, they say, oh, you're still young, but you are here for so many times, uh, for so long. And I say, yeah, 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 but I came, I was 15. So yeah. people are used to see me and they, they always thought I'm, I'm a bit older. But yeah, it's not easy to stay home, especially when the season starts, you know. But um, yeah, we started talking with um, with Tenkat in December and it was a long process until we signed and, uh, and to be sure we were able to ride. But um, yeah, it's not um, not easy. But uh, yeah, I was ready for that. Uh, I'm I'm glad I had. Um, uh, I also had the strange career, you know. With so many, it's not the first time I stay with I stay with no ride at the end of the season. And um, yeah, I needed the, let's say the maturity to 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 take to be able to do this choice. And I would have done that even um, end of 2017, uh, but uh, I wasn't ready to do this. And uh, uh, yeah, I was expecting something better from last year. So at the end of last year, I said, there is no way I do the, another, yeah, let's say this mistake again. So I say, prefer to, to, to wait for something good. So yeah, it's like, it's like this. But then the only thing I had to do was to to be prepared, to get ready, to train a lot, um, to be ready in any case for the beginning of the season if there was any cold. And it's what I did all winter. I've been training really, really hard. Uh, I think the, 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 I managed to lose even some weight. And yeah, I was training really hard, harder than, than always because I had plenty of time, you know, also. And uh, yeah. so, yeah, I'm more than ready and proud of all the job I did this winter. And now it's, it's only made of um, uh, a few, few days before being back in, in the game. And of course, since you last raced, which was race one in Qatar, because we never got a second race in Qatar because of all the extreme weather, we've gone from one situation to another, haven't we? Jonathan Ray absolutely dominated the second half of last year. Alvaro Bautista dominated the first 11 races of this year. What have you made of it so far, Loris, as a spectator, but a very knowledgeable spectator watching at home? Well, uh, yeah. Uh, I think the gap between the guys, um, uh, between Johnny and the other, the Kawasaki and the other bikes, especially the Yamaha, have never been uh, that close, you know. Uh, let's say uh, last year, Johnny was nearly never fighting with the Yamaha. And this year, he's been struggling uh, in a few races to be with yeah, them. So yeah. That means the gap has been closing, but also Ducati have been a, a really, really good bike with a fantastic rider. 
and uh, and they have a really fast bike. I don't think it's the perfect bike, to be honest. Um, I don't think they have uh, such a good um, chassis setup at the moment because the bike is really new, uh, but uh, they have a really strong engine and in some tracks that can help a lot. But yeah, it's good for the championship at the moment because they can see new faces at the front. Uh, but yeah, for sure the other, like Kawasaki and Yamaha, everybody wants to win. So it will pull the championship a bit higher. And uh, I hope that we can all fight together at the front soon. So we don't get, the, the people don't get bored about Alvaro winning uh, again like they were with uh, with Johnny. So they're, they're, I think the fans, what they love is to see some some really big fight for the win and not um, not like one guy in front of everybody. But um, yeah, it's cool to see also a guy like Alvaro winning because um, yeah, he's a good guy and he's a really strong rider. I don't think he had, he never had um, the good bike uh, in, in MotoGP and he's showing that uh, uh, even if you're a fantastic rider, if you don't have the good bike, it's not, um, not easy. So yeah. Can't wait to join them and see properly how it is, because in front of the TV is never never the same. Yeah, no, I can imagine it must be a bit frustrating for you to be watching, but at least you're back now. Just very quickly, Loris, before we talk about your bike and your team, I've got to ask you there. You say you mentioned the Ducati. You don't think it's a perfect bike right now. What do you mean exactly? Because obviously a lot of people watching at home are thinking, well, it looks pretty good. Where do you think they could improve? Well, when you look the race and you can see that the bike is not that easy to ride eh? because only Alvaro is, is, is managing to, to ride it very well also just in the last race but if you look properly going into the corner they are struggling to make the bike turn and the only guy that were, was really smart with this bike from the beginning of the season has been Alvaro because I, I don't think the bike is turning that well uh, and, and the sound seems a bit strange when only watching the TV, so uh, I can be wrong, but I think Alvaro was just, uh, he, he knew he had the really strong engine. He know he, he know he had a really good engine. So he's trying to use the engine, you know, and he's not pushing so much in the entry and he's pushing a lot in the exit to use the engine. But I, when you look the races in Imola, which is a track a bit more difficult, they were a bit struggling in the, in, in the entry. So uh, I don't think it's... Uh, it's a, it's a perfect bike, yes, uh, for them. But it's normal. It's a new bike, and uh, I I don't um, I don't think you can have the, the perfect uh, bike uh, ever in your life. But especially when it's brand new like that. I was chatting with um, Nico Sartori, Sandro Cortese's crew chief at Assen this year, and he reckoned yeah. that maybe Bautista's knowledge of riding a bike with aerodynamic wings is the biggest advantage he has so far. You've raced in MotoGP, obviously. What's your feeling towards that? Yeah, for sure, this is a massive thing. And uh, uh, it's, it's a massive in, uh, improvement that has been done in the last few years by Ducati, especially for the wheelie. And um, so mm. if, you, if, if it means less wheelie, it means more acceleration. So, and they have those, the only thing you're losing is some top speed, but they have the they have the horsepower to do it. They, can, they, can, they are able to lose some some top speed because they have a really strong engine. So I'm sure this is a massive improvement. And um, yeah, Gigi, we know Gigi uh, is really strong and he's really clever and he's building bikes so so good. So um, yeah. fair play to him because 
he just done the good job uh, uh, looking at the rules of the superbike. Yeah, really intriguing, really interesting. Thanks for that insight, Loris. Obviously, we've got to talk about what I'm sure you're most interested in, which is Tenkata coming back and the Yamaha R1. So if we just go back to Qatar, there was already obviously a feeling in Qatar that Honda and the, uh, maybe spitting with Tenkata. There was rumors of Moriwaki coming in, and of course, that did happen. So looking back, were you already thinking, mm, maybe there could be a chance with Tenkata next year? Well, when I saw that they were breaking a little bit with, um, with Tenkata, uh, with Honda, I said, um, yeah, for sure, I didn't expect this team to stay yeah. uh, out of racing because I couldn't imagine that. And I would have been sad, you know, it's like Alstar. Uh, yeah. It can happen, but uh, it's sad to see them away. So, um, and then, yeah, we started talking and we hear the rumors. They wanted to come back from 2020 at the beginning. And, uh, and yeah, we said, uh, why not 2019? This, it was like, yeah, but the bikes are not available. So we, we tried to push and uh, then we yeah, always had a good relationship with Yamaha and uh, we managed to to make this come come true and to have the, um, the, the guys from Yamaha also approving this, uh, like Eric Dessen and all these guys, and also Andrea Dossoli. And so, yeah, the project came together slowly. Um, and yeah, finally it comes out. But yeah, we, at the beginning, I was expecting something a bit faster, maybe. But uh, yeah, it's like that. It's not easy. It wasn't easy for them. And uh, yeah. Anyway, it's one one more race or one less. It was just uh, important to be back on the grid and with a um, with a strong package. So, and it's exactly what the team wanted. So I think we had the same motivation because we have more or less the same. Uh, we are struggling about the same thing since last year, and we we want to show the people what we can do. Yeah, it's difficult to get everybody in the paddock to agree on one thing, but it does seem like everybody agrees that it's fantastic news that the Tenkata team is back in the paddock. Now, you've obviously tested the Yamaha R1 already at Mizano last week. Difficult conditions, but how does it feel? Yeah, it feels good. Um, at the beginning, I just, yeah, was, uh, well, nearly all this, I was focused to be back in the pace, uh, taking back my pace and and because it's seven months I wasn't riding, so it's not, uh, you, you always need sometimes to be back uh, riding fast. And then the team needed also sometimes to to make, um, to understand the bike, uh, the guy, the, um, to understand all, everything which is um, making the bike working, like the electronics on this thing, the parts. And I was asking them shoe changes and on the bus, foot race. So many things that um, take time, and it was important to do it uh, before the race. And we managed to do it on the Thursday. Uh, and yeah, we were basically focused uh, riding with a with a base bike, uh, base setup, and um, just trying a few things that Yama asked to 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 test, which were which were important to order the parts for for the the rest of the season. And then, uh, yeah, uh, I was happy because I, every time I was on track, I was improving the lap time. I had a really good feeling with the bike. I still need to figure out how I need to to use this engine because it's a bit of bit of um, different way to ride the bike than all the rest of the bikes. And you need to use really the the, the good thing, which is the, the acceleration you can have on the lean angle. So, uh, yeah, many things are to... 
to figure out. And of course, I still need time, but uh, we had only like 60 laps in the in the dry, and I managed to 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 be already in the good lap time. So, and we have a really good idea of what we need to change for her because, as I said, we didn't change the setup in Milano. So there was many things at the end of the day that I would have liked to change if we had a third day. So we we will be able to start straight away like this, I think, in Jerez. So yeah, um, a lot of work, even if we didn't uh, change a lot of things in the bike, but a lot of things that were were really important to do. And as a starting point, Loris, for people who might be wondering, and I'm definitely one of them, <laughs> where is your Yamaha going to be in comparison with the Patti Yamahas and the GRT Yamahas from a starting point? Will you have more or less the same bike as Lowe's, Vandermark, Cortese and Melandri? Yeah, let's say that in Yamaha, more or less all the bikes are the same. Uh, the only thing is that we have, uh, uh, we will get the updates a bit later than them. But apart of that, uh, the bikes, um, yeah, the bike is the same. Uh, so this is really cool. Uh, just um, uh, we just ride Nissan brake instead of Brembo. We ride another brand of wheels, but this is some not really the things that make the performance. I mean, the brake yes, but we all know that Nissan is a really fantastic brand, so uh, this is not a problem at all. So yeah, no, no, mm, for sure we'll have a good bike. So this is important. It must be quite exciting for you as well as the one rider in the team, almost like Eugene Laverty's doing this year with the Go 11 Ducati. You can sort of guide the development of the bike, can't you, more in your direction? Well, it's not um, not only easy. And I, honestly, I think it's always better to have uh, a, great, uh, a good teammate with you. Uh, but uh, it's like this for this season, and I'm sure uh, they will have... Uh, um, they will have something um, uh, bigger next year uh, in the head. So, but yeah, it's like this decision, and for sure, um, it's fantastic to to be able to ride. And I'm sure uh, having five Yamaha on the grid, the Yamaha is already a really good bike. So, um, uh, I'm looking for fighting with them. And obviously, we've got Hareth as your first three, hopefully three, because we've had so many races cancelled recently in World Superbikes. But I hope we have a nice clean weekend with good weather in Jerez. I think we will do. But you've ridden the Kawasaki there in World Superbikes, the BMW. Yeah. Um, as you say, though, it will be quite different, I guess, with the Yamaha, with the cross-plane engine. Yeah, well, it's uh, another way to ride a bike, uh, to be honest. And you need, um, you need time to understand this. Uh, and we don't have many time. But uh, I've been riding in the past this bike. And I'm sure we'll find um, soon the way to ride it. But yeah, you need to use the lean angle of the bike, which is, the engine is so smooth and the bike is really fantastic to ride on the lean angle. So you have to use this, uh, missing a bit of horsepower at the top, but um, you can gain uh, what you lose in the, in the end of the straight on the begin and the beginning exit of the corner. So yeah, this is um, it's a really cool bike to ride, really fun bike. And I guess, Loris, based on what you've just said, it shouldn't be too much of a problem, should it, in Jerez? Because I, do you really get up to top gear in Jerez? Very uh, occasionally, don't you? And obviously lots of long sweeping corners anyway, so it should suit your bike. Yeah, I think it's one, it's a kind of track that can suit the bike. But um, yeah, honestly, every track would be good for us. But um, uh, we still fail to use the bike at 100%. We need, uh, we need a bit of... Of time, as I said, to be able to use the full potential of the bike. Uh, I only had 60 laps on the dry, and all these guys are 
maybe a thousand of flat already this season on, on this condition. So I need that. Uh, yeah, I and the team need a few more uh, rides, and this week will be like a test week also again. So um, yeah, but uh, it's good to have also three races, and I'm sure we can. Um, we can improve every race and every time we go on track and this is a target to get always to close the gap to the front guys uh, from the beginning of the weekend. So we will see, but uh, anyway, excited, excited. I will be excited even riding the longest trade in the, in the world. Yeah, we're all really excited to see you back, Loris. Obviously, all of the coverage on Eurosport on Friday with free practice and we'll be watching out for you and keeping an eye on the gap to the front guys over the rest of the season. So thank you very much. You're welcome. You're welcome. Thank you very much and see you soon. Right, thanks very much there to Loris Baz. Great to see him and the 10 Carter team. Great rider and a great team back on the grid in Jerez this weekend. Now, another man who's going to be in Jerez, not quite on the grid, but certainly on the paddock show stage, is Michael Hill, the man with the most hair in the world superbike paddock. But, Michael, you've been a busy boy, haven't you, recently, over at Motor America? Yeah, I have, yeah. And I've just got back from uh, from the States uh, literally last night. So I'm back for sort of 18 hours and then uh, off to another airport uh, to jump on a plane down to Jerez. Looking forward to it. And I've got to say, Greg... Very, very happy that um, you started my introduction there with no reference to the teeth. So uh, they, I'm feeling pretty good about that. They've been left alone for once. Yeah, I thought I was getting a bit bored of the teeth, so I thought I'd mention the hair or lack of instead. Like everybody else, man. <laughs> well, all the banter on Twitter this week's been about tunnels, hasn't it, so far? We seem to have created some sort of stir with the tunnels uh, underneath the various racetracks around the world. I think that's just because uh, Ian Wheeler, the uh, Pata Yamaha press officer, secretly likes uh, taking pictures of tunnels more than we do, although he won't admit it. I think that's the reality. I think that is absolutely the reality. He should be writing press releases, but anyway, who knows? Of course, Ian Wheeler, for those of you who've been listening to the show over the whole season, will have heard a few things from him. Some great sound bites earlier in the year. Um, Great, though, wasn't it there, just listening in to Loris Baz? It is brilliant, isn't it, that Loris and the Tenkata team are finally back in the paddock? Yeah, no, it's great. They're such a sort of a recognisable and well-established team. Obviously, they won so many World Super Sport Championships. They've won World Superbike, of course, uh, uh, with James Toesland. Uh, yeah, great, great team. And Loris as well. I mean, he's a rider that, you know, really should never have been off the grid in the first place, in my opinion. So uh, he stuck it out. He took a bit of a gamble. Uh, and it's paid off for him. So I'm, I'm really glad that he's back. He's a lot of fun on the stage as well. So uh, anyone that's coming to, to World Superbike can, can get up close to all the riders. But having Loris back, that's going to add a little bit more dynamic to uh, to the Super Show. So, yeah, no, re- really, really good for him, good for the team and good for the championship. And of course, we've got Tommy Bridewell back this weekend, haven't we? Subbing for the injured Eugene Laverty. So best wishes to Eugene. He was on the show recently. Uh, best wishes to Leon Kamia as well. We've got Yuki Takahashi on the Honda alongside Kianari this weekend. So what's that? I think you put on Twitter earlier on this week first time since 2011 that we've got two Japanese riders on the grid yeah 2011 was the last time uh, that we had uh, two Japanese riders uh, on the grid so Norihaga finished 8th in the championship that year for Aprilia and uh, Makoto Tamada I think he was a wild card from memory um, but on the notes I've got he raced in Germany he got a best result of 17 so yeah two Japanese riders on the grid but also, I think it's, it's got to be a first uh, for for Honda in World Superbike to have two mm. Japanese riders on the Japanese manufacturer. But that can only be good for them in terms of taking data back. Obviously, Takahashi riding a very similar spec bike in, in the Japanese series. Um, obviously, former 250 rider, isn't he? Uh, former teammate to Davizioso. So he's got a load of experience like Kianari. It's going to be good. There's lots of rumors about Honda bringing out a new bike. So if they are, uh, who better to put on the bike than, than someone that's racing for them in Japan? 
I'm keen to know, actually, Michael, obviously you present The Paddock Show and you've done so for several years now. Do you have to tailor your presenting? And I've actually don't think, I don't think I've actually ever asked you this on or off the podcast before. Do you have to tailor your presenting depending on the nationality of rider you're with and, of course, the place you are in presenting the show? Yeah, I mean, The Paddock Show has evolved, obviously, a lot, hasn't it, over the last six or seven years and, and certainly over the last three years since I've kind of had a bit more input and a bit more control in how it's structured. We've, we've been able to tailor it you know, so it's more consistent in all of the rounds. So we don't necessarily tailor it round by round. There's more smoke machines since you've taken control, aren't there? Yeah, more smoke machines, more pyrotechnics, <laughs> uh, more light. So uh, that's, it's all good fun. But no, we generally, or what I generally try to do is, is see which riders we've got coming on the stage. This year's a little bit different. So uh, we have every single rider involved in the Super Show. So that's a first for the championship. So we bring more than 95 riders on the stage in the Super Show. So you can't really cater for one particular nationality. And obviously, the other thing to contend with, probably the most difficult thing to contend with, is, is riders' personalities. You know, not every rider is the same. So uh, you have characters like Jordi Torres, who is, you know, bouncing off the off the roof of the paddock show, uh, whatever the weekend. But you also get riders that are, you know, maybe in a better mood because of, they've had a good result, or if, if they've just been beaten, or they've had a technical, or they've crashed. Maybe someone who normally is quite outgoing is a little bit more reserved. So that's probably the biggest challenge. But generally speaking, all the riders are great fun. And I think they, they like the dynamic and, and the sort of the exclusivity of the paddock show. You know, it's, it's the only championship in the world that, that puts this kind of show on where the, the fans and the riders can interact um, for, for sort of two hours now on a Saturday night, which is great. I've got to ask, because you were working at Motor America last weekend and you were also working in the Australian Superbike Championship at the Bend earlier on this season. How have you found the audiences around the world at these shows? I know the Americans seem to take to them dramatically, don't they? I mean, Laguna Seca, there's always a brilliant atmosphere at the Paddock Show, but how have you found them? Yeah, and no, I've been really lucky this year to, to go back to Australia. I uh, went to Adelaide to the new circuit there. The, the Bend is a, it's a great facility. If, you, if anyone's ever seen that on TV, they, they were hosting a round of the Australian Championship and the Asia Superbike Series. Uh, it was a relatively small crowd, a couple of thousand people. Um, and then obviously Moto America, I'm, I'm doing three or four rounds this year with them, so delighted to have been offered uh, additional work from, from my absolute idol when I was a kid growing up, Wayne Rainey, who's obviously been really instrumental in, in putting the show on at Moto America. They're now in their fifth year. There was a quite a decent crowd at Road America, um, several thousand, but the work that I'm doing, uh, or the work that I did in Australia and the work I'm doing for Moto America is not the paddock show. So uh, it's, um, it's more TV stuff. It's more presenting in the paddock and, and the podiums and things. Uh, the paddock show is, is is exclusive to World Superbike, so it's a little bit different. But the reception from the crowd is good. Um, both both championships, the Australian one and uh, and the, the Moto America series, is really really strong. And it, it was nice just to to be there at a new circuit for me. You know, I've never been to Road America. Flew into mm-hmm. Chicago, had a little drive up uh, through uh, past Milwaukee where there was a Harley Davidson factory and. The Elkhart Lake itself, a population of 967. So I bet they didn't know what hit them when I turned up. Well, yeah, you can say that again. That's <laughs> for sure. Uh, they're not going to know what's hit them in Jerez either this week when the teeth arrive, with uh, the sun, of course, glinting off them in the June heat. Ah, oh, you love it though, really, Brian. That, that's Michael's middle name, by the way, for anyone who doesn't know. It's Michael Brian Hill. Really Honestly, awesome. though, jokes aside for a second, just <laughs> just before we go, what do we reckon is going to happen this weekend? Because we've had 11 races won by Bautista. Jonathan Ray, of course, doing his double, if you like, one full-length race, one yeah. super pole race at Imola. I hope we get the three races this time, and I think we will. But I reckon it could be quite close this weekend, don't you? Because they don't really get up to top gear that much. So the Ducati is not going to have the advantage it's had at some of the other tracks. Uh, the Yamaha should go well, as Loris was just saying. I think it could be quite close this weekend, and I certainly hope it will be. 
yeah, no, looking at the forecast, forecast is good. Uh, Mid thirties for yeah. days, so really looking forward to, to, to the weather. I don't think there's going to be any issue with, with not having three races. The outsider for me, I think you're, you're absolutely right. Ducati's got to be the benchmark. Alvaro, everyone's got you know looking at him. He's the guy with the target on his back. Jonathan is rejuvenated, isn't he? He's got the confidence back. It was a champion's ride yeah. for him in, in Imola. He's going to be strong. I expect Haslam to be a lot quicker. They've tested in Jerez. Yamaha have been very, very quick in Jerez. Soprak Razgatlioglu was on the podium last time out in Imola. He was super quick in the tests, both in Jerez and in Portimao. So I'm expecting him to, to be moving up. But the outsiders for me, um, you know, obviously Loris Basel, it's going to be great to have him back, but he's going to be a bit race rusty, how quickly he can, can adapt back into racing life, whether he can challenge for the podium. I mean, that'd be fantastic if he could. But I think he's going to be looking for, you know, top six, top eight. That would be a great result for them. The outsiders for me are BMW, and that's not no disrespect to Honda, who I think are still developing and, and still doing a lot of sort of testing work. But in terms of podium fights, I really think Tom Sykes uh, and Reiterberger, to be fair, uh, look at the performance he put in, in at Assen. Uh, he's been doing a really, really great job. Just, you know, Tom has just got that Tom Sykes swagger back, hasn't he? The bike is getting better and better. Yeah. front suspension. Not sure whether they've got the, the technical upgrades in terms of the engine, but Jerez is, is fast and flowing its corners. If Tom can qualify well and get away at the front, uh, you know, he should be able to fend them off. Uh, I mean, there's only one or two places really that he's going to come under attack and they're all leading off quite fast corners. If we talk about it, it turned five or six onto the back straight. He's already going to be in third, maybe fourth gear onto the back straight. He's not going to lose as much with acceleration. So no, I think you're right. We're going to have four manufacturers uh, certainly in the mix for, for, for the fight. Um, and let's just see what Honda um, can do. Let's see what Takahashi brings. Let's see uh, if um, if Kianari can... Uh, can challenge for the, for the top 10. And, and as you said, let's just wish uh, all of the injured riders, Leon Camier, uh, especially, uh, and obviously Eugene Laverty, uh, a massive uh, crash for him. Let's just hope that, that they're back fighting uh, real soon. Yeah, and just very quickly before we go, obviously the last time we were in Jerez wasn't last year. We had a stop gap at Bruno last year in the Czech Republic, but 2017 we were in Jerez. Amazing final lap between Joel Cruzel and Federico Caracasulo in World Supersport. I know for a fact, actually, they've changed the size of the gear shifter on Joel Cruzel's bike for this weekend because he wanted a larger one as he's shifting with the right foot, not the left, because of his injury. But apparently, I've been told, he was actually clipping it unintentionally at Imola, and that's what caused the problem. One of them, of course, being the collision, uh, which took him down at the last corner. Uh, Supersport 300, Michael, the last time we were in Jerez, the title was decided, wasn't it, for Mark Garcia? And it seemed as though Mark was back at Imola. Unfortunately, we never got a race. But because of that, they've got two races this weekend. Yeah, it's going to play into the hands of the Spaniards for sure. Um, but I know that Scott Deroo, you know, the ever-consistent Scott Deroo, uh, he's been there testing at Jerez as well. So, uh World Supersport 300 goes from strength to strength. 55 riders permanently on the grid. Great to see Mark Garcia back. I actually spoke to him uh, in the pouring rain. He was over at the paddock show uh, on after qualifying. And uh, uh, and on the Sunday, he came over and then we were having a chat. And, and he was just saying, you know, the problem was we didn't really do any testing. The, the deal got put together real, real late. Obviously, the world champion in 2017, he went off to Moto3. He's now got to readapt to, you know, road-based tires. A bike yeah. with a little less power. He was quick. Anna Carrasco, you know, let's not count her out. She's the reigning world champion. She was on form again. Well, she's been on form all season, to be fair. She's been unlucky in a couple of races. She was in the podium hunt in both races and, and just was in the wrong place at the wrong time. Two races in her 
could see her right back in the championship fight. Yeah, you're right. It could really completely change the championship picture, couldn't it, by the end of the weekend? I also spoke uh, randomly with Andy Vadoya the other day as well, one of the Yamaha Blue Crew riders who was out, of course, with Valentino Rossi recently. Uh, he seems pretty up for it too, so let's see. Michael, thanks very much. Didn't have much time in this one, but looking forward to seeing you there and having a bit of a catch-up. We're back on the road again. Yeah, we absolutely are. And let's just hope Ian Wheeler's brought his video so we can uh, do our first uh, video feature <laughs> from inside the tunnel uh, at Harak uh, Circuit. That's going to be uh, one yes. of our first uh, features, which will be really, really good for uh, uh, for the rest of the season. I'm sure, I'm sure there's quite a lot of people, not just me and you, uh, that are complete tunnel nerds uh, around the circuit. I'm quite, quite sure a lot of people listening and that go to the races will be very interested to see how many tunnels we can take selfies in for the rest of the year. As long as Wheeler doesn't bring that uh, flamethrower thing that he was threatening to bring on Twitter earlier on this week. But I agree with you. Maybe we could call the feature Tunnel Vision. What do you reckon? Oh, mate, mate you're, you're on fire, literally. <laughs> not literally. <laughs> not, not well, luckily. let's hope not, yeah. We will be if Ian Wheeler brings that uh, flamethrower with him. Yeah, well, yeah, that's a point. All right, well, you <laughs> lunatic. I'll see you there, then. Thanks a lot. All right, travel safe, buddy. See you soon. Thank you very much to Michael Helen. Also, thank you to Michael for mentioning just after we'd recorded that interview that, of course, we've got a new track surface at Jerez this weekend as well. And that's the first time a world superbike race meeting has used the new track surface. Of course, the Spanish Grand Prix for MotoGP raced on it earlier on this year. But many thanks to Michael. Many thanks to Loris Baz as well. He and the rest of them will be on track. James Whittam and I will be in the commentary box from Friday morning with all of the live practice coverage. Please send in your tweets to JimWitt69 and Greg Haynes TV. And then, of course, James will also be in the paddock with Charlie Hiscott and Matt Roberts as they present the programme across Saturday and Sunday. So many thanks for listening to Full Throttle episode number 49, and we'll see you in Spain this weekend. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 